1: Hey everybody, it's Monday, August 21st, 2023. Welcome to the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast, where we're ending our holdout. Not that we were ever in one in the first place. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant, joined by Michael F. Florio. Out there in the ether, Susie, producer Susie, uh, is hanging out with us. And we are all in remote locations because... Uh, Florida, we had a hurricane yesterday. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was like all of the, all of the, nat- it was like the Avengers of natural disasters teamed up <laughs> to descend on Los Angeles. Uh, I assume everyone is, is safe and healthy where you are uh, in your part of Los Angeles though.
2: Yeah, everyone is good here. It wasn't nearly as bad as we were anticipating, at least by me, I- I'm a little bit more coastal, so that's good. The funniest part about everything though, to me, was the memes and, st- and the, the everything about like the earthquake coming to remind Californian who the real natural disaster is here? Like that at least brought me some uh, some laughter yesterday.
1: Absolutely, uh, I will say, yeah, we are fortunate. We were not hit very hard. Uh, you know, we got a lot of rain, a little bit of wind, but nothing really, really severe. We uh, certainly at my house had uh, we had over prepared just in case of the worst. Uh, thankfully, we did not need it, um, but I can now say that I have survived my first tropical storm uh, and that because California being extra as we tend to be through an earthquake right in the middle of the whole thing. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I know it was severe in some other places. I hope everybody uh, is safe wherever they are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I know in other parts of the country, they are dealing with extreme weather of other kinds, heat and that sort of thing. So everybody, wherever you are, stay safe, man. Stay inside, stay safe. Make sure you check on your people uh in every which way. Uh, all right. We are continuing our division previews. Today, it is the AFC South. So we'll go through those four teams there. But... Uh, Let's get started because we actually have quite a bit of news that has come in since uh, we last spoke to you. Maybe the biggest piece of news, that one coming uh, earlier on Monday morning via the Las Vegas Review-Journal. Josh Jacobs, according to reports, is expected to end his holdout and report to the Raiders before week one. Now, there was no definite timeline, just a before-the-season opener, so it could be any time within the next few weeks. But, Florio, we do know that Josh Jacobs is going to be back. I think we all sort of assumed it was going to happen. We just didn't know when. Now we seem to have a little bit more of a concrete timeline, a little bit more. So with that being said, is Josh Jacobs back to being a first round pick?
2: Uh, I I like him more in the second round because, again, I I think that the receivers dry up so fast in the first round that I'd rather wait and get whichever one of the top running backs falls to me in round two. That being said, if you want to take a running back in round one, Josh Jacobs – is hundred percent, uh, in the, the possibilities. Like to me, I think there's a clear top nine elite running backs. And that group to me is Eckler, CMC, Bijan, Tony Pollard, Nick Chubb, Saquon, Jonathan Taylor, Josh Jacobs, and Derrick Henry. I think that I have a really good chance of getting at least one of those nine in round two. So I will take the receiver in round one, but if I get Josh Jacobs, or like a Jonathan Taylor late round two. I got Jonathan Taylor at the end of the eighth pick in the third round in a draft this weekend. And Josh Jacobs went just before him. So hopefully you are uh, taking the discount while it was there because yeah, that, that is long gone. He is going to be a second or maybe even a first round pick in a lot of drafts.
1: I am looking at the fantasy football calculator, ADP chart for Josh Jacobs. And this just spans the last month going back to sort of late July. And he went from, uh, first pick in the second round to the last pick in the second round. Uh, that is as of this morning. So you know, obviously whatever has happened hasn't really caught up yet. But I would expect that uh, in the days to come, we're going to see that ADP go back up. And he probably will end up being probably back to the start of the first round again. I think. I think you're right. I think he's sort of that guy that a lot of people may be drafting on the turn. Look, if you're sitting in that 12th spot in your league and you can start, uh, you know, with a top-notch wide receiver, and, and come back and get Josh Jacobs to start the second round. I think it's a pretty good start. I mean, what a, a C.D. Lamb, Josh Jacobs, uh, one-two punch on the turn. That ain't terrible. <laughs> Not that. at all. <laughs> so, uh, so there we go. We have a little bit more clarity, at least to uh, to one running back situation there, uh, for the Raiders in D.C. The Washington Commanders have named Sam Howell their starting quarterback for the 2023 season. Uh, I've seen a lot of excitement about Sam Howell. A lot of people kind of getting fired up about him. I don't know that I have a strong opinion one way or another. I think he's fine. Um, As for you, are you interested in drafting Sam Howell at all?
2: I am, but only in certain formats. Like in a one quarterback league, if you come away with Sam Howell as your starter, something's gone terribly,
1: terribly <laughs> wrong.
2: But in two quarterback super flex leagues, I really think that is where you want to be getting Sam Howell or, or best ball drafts as well. Um, he reminds me of what Marcus Mariota was last season. And I know Marcus Mariota was, and I'm not saying Sam Howell is going to be one of the worst passers. in football. I'm saying it's a fantasy <laughs> asset. Um I don't know if he will hold on to the starting job all year. There's a lot of people who think Sam Howell is going to break out. I am I think he has the potential where he could be much better than we are anticipating. But Jacoby Brissett is one of the best backups in football. So if things get off to a rough start for Sam Howell, I could see them making a change there because I believe Ron Rivera is on the hot seat. That being said, though, for as many games as he starts – he is going to be a value in fantasy. So if you have him in his two quarterback leagues, you could start him, play him in DFS, something like that. In his lone start last year, he ran for 35 yards and a touchdown. His final year at UNC, he ran for 828 yards and 11 touchdowns. Um, I think running the football is going to be a part of his game. And because of that, you'll get him at outside the top 24 quarterbacks right now in, in ADP but i think as long as he's a starter he'll probably be I, I think safely will be a top 20 fantasy quarterback.
1: Yeah, see, i think i think maybe that's it. And i i look at that and I'm kind of like, "Eh, all right, fine." Um but i think you're you're onto something with the rushing upside there and and seeing if that's what sort of keeps him afloat in this thing. You're right. I, I if you if you have him in a one quarterback league uh, and that is your guy, you're probably cooked for this year. But uh, <laughs> you know, i think there's some value to him as a second quarterback and maybe that's where the excitement is coming from. Um, Because I can't wrap my head around, you know, getting fired up about Sam Howell as even as a rotational guy uh, in a one quarterback league. I don't I think there are better options out there before you get to Sam Howell. But what I do think is a good thing about Howell is I just want to see what he can be in comparison to, to Jacoby Brissett in terms of actual football. Brissett, we know, is a nice, safe option. He's a guy who can, you know, he's not going to screw it up. He can just keep your team on track. He's not going to blow it in a big way for you. But at the same time, he's also not going to give us a lot in fantasy when it comes to his receivers, right? We're not going to be super fired up about Terry McLaurin or Jahan Dotson, et cetera, with Jacoby Brissett. So I I don't know, does it it make you feel better about the pass catchers knowing that it's Sam Howell versus Brissett?
2: I think the ceiling is higher, but I think the range of outcomes is wider because, Mm. like you said, we kind of know what Jacoby Brissett is. We are figuring out as we go what we have in Sam Howell, and we could watch his college tape and his preseason tape and all of that, but until we see him do it, you know, when games matter over the course of the NFL season, we have a lot more that we can judge Jacoby Brissett based on, but that's... Partially why I'm so in on Terry McLaurin this year, and and I know everyone else loves Dotson, and I, I like Dotson as well, but I keep being the, like, do not forget about Terry McLaurin because he's going as, like, wide receiver 24, and that's what his low finish is in fantasy. So I feel like we're buying him at his absolute floor right now. You look at what he's been in his career with and without Carson Wentz. Like, Carson Wentz was dragging him down last year, and when he had Taylor Heineke, Terry McLaurin was back to being what He always is. So I I think Hal gives him – there's always upside in the unknown. But if things crash and burn for Hal, I think we get Jacoby Brissett, who last year was able to get Amari Cooper back to being a a low-end wide receiver one just because he was throwing those YOLO balls. That's all we need for Terry McLaurin. That's all we need. I I think Dotson has breakout upside. But as a number two on an offense that I don't think is going to be a top one, I think he's going to be a little bit more inconsistent than Terry will be.
1: I think, is Terry McLaurin reaching that point of wide receivers we just take for granted? Um, You know, maybe that's why the ADP is where it is. I'm looking at his last three seasons, and the numbers are all pretty similar, right? 2020, uh, 1,100 yards, four touchdowns. 2021, uh, 1050 and five touchdowns. Last year, almost 1,200 yards and five touchdowns. The numbers are, are very, very consistent from year to year. And I think because of that and the fact that we're dealing with some quarterback uncertainty, I think everybody just looks at Terry McLaurin and is like, all right, fine, we know what we're gonna get, we're gonna draft him here. And then we all, you know, we're we're the me- that old meme of the guy walking with his girlfriend and turning and looking at the other girl. <laughs> like, you know, Jahan Dotson is the, the other girl in the red dress walking by, and Terry McLaurin's the one with like the incredulous look on his face, like, hey man, don't forget, I'm standing right here. Uh, I think that's sort of where we are with commander's receivers uh, at this point. Uh, Titans wide receiver, Traylon Burks suffered an LCL sprain. will miss multiple weeks. Uh, It's better news than I think a lot of people anticipated when he first went down. You know, everybody saw it was a knee injury and we all sort of held our breath. Uh, Obviously he's going to miss some time. That's not great, but it's not as bad possibly as it could have been. How much should this, or will this uh, affect his ADP?
2: I think it, should drop it a bit but that being said i've already been the low person on traylon burks like (laughs) he's not a top 40 wide receiver in my rankings for me Mm -hmm. and i know other people are bullish on him but my thinking is in the last uh i believe it's six years uh, under mike rabel uh the titans their highest finish in pass attempts has been 25th out of 32 teams so i expect them to still run the ball a lot ryan Tannehill, i think I've come around that I think Ryan Tannehill will probably start all year because the the Titans backups are – they're not ready yet. But Tannehill is declining a bit. D Hop is going to be the number one. So this is a number two target that's going to have to compete with Okonkwo for targets as well on a team that I don't think is going to pass a lot. I don't think they're going to be in the top half in scoring. So I I am just lower on Burks than than the field. But now I'm anticipating that his – ADP will probably fall closer to where I have him ranked because all summer long, he's been going way before I've, I've considered taking him.
1: So as of the moment, he's now fallen by the way, to, to wide receiver 42. So I think everybody's put him outside the top 40 and okay. the ADP has dropped almost around in the last week. So, and I was, I think it feels like that was happening even before the news of the injury came out. So maybe people were starting to sour on him. I'm with you. I, I, once they got DeAndre Hopkins, that sort of spelled, you know, I won't say the end for Traylon Burks, but it was definitely going to take a lot out of him. Right. I mean, you don't bring in a guy like Nuke Hopkins and not feed him all the targets you can. And in an offense, that's just not going to be pass heavy. Um, there just doesn't seem to be a whole lot left for Traylon Burks. Now he's going to miss multiple weeks. I think this takes a big chunk out of his ADP. And I think if you were on the fence about him, Uh, This probably puts you off of drafting Traylon Burks. Uh, We'll talk more about the Titans in a little bit when we dive into uh, the AFC South preview. Uh, Last one here. The Lions likely shutting down Jamison Williams because of a hamstring for the rest of the preseason. You like you like Jamison Williams. I like Jamison Williams. A lot of people like Jamison Williams. But at some point, do we have to see him on the field? I mean, he missed all of last preseason with an injury. He missed most of the regular season as he was rehabbing. Now he's going to miss pretty much most of this preseason and the first six weeks of the season. I know we like the guy's talent, but Mike, we got to see him play football at some point, right?
2: Yeah, this is this was far from ideal for him because last year was a, a washed year. Like like you said, he was recovering from the ACL, so we didn't really see him in the, at all till late in the season. And when we did he was very limited they they were basically using him just to be like the flanker on the outside and, and take the safety deep and and it, there was a number of times where he got behind the secondary uh and, and could have had a long touchdown had Goff connected with him we saw that uh, in training camp this year i still think Jamison Williams has very high upside but he needs the reps and and that i thought him getting game reps like Week one, everyone was like, Jamison Williams is still out there, even though the starters got pulled. And I'm like, yeah, he should be. This is a guy (laughs) who didn't play much football last year. We need him out there and need him getting in sync and stuff. So this wasn't great. And what makes it worse is during the six weeks, he's not going to be at the Lions facility. So now we got to worry about him with his hamstring and make sure that he's not pushing it before the team thinks he's ready or anything along that. But what I'm anticipating, Marcus, is this taking him from already being a double digit round pick and making him fall probably even further. Like, if he falls like the 12th, 13th round, I don't understand how everyone isn't like, yeah, I'm going to draft this guy. I understand you got to wait six weeks for him. But at that price, I think the upside is worth the gamble.
1: Yeah, he's still hanging around the 10th round. I think that's going to go down a little bit just because of this. And you're right. If you're talking about him, look, I'm I'm looking at some some wide receivers in, say, the 13th round. Right. Uh, Michael Gallup, Hunter Renfro, Jalen Hyatt, who I actually sort of like and had a good weekend. Donovan Peoples-Jones, K.J. Osborne, um, Justin Ross, MVS. Like, I would take the shot on Jamison Williams. And here's the thing: especially if you have like an injury slot. Uh, on your roster. Yes. If, if you got an injury or a suspension slot, why wouldn't you take the chance on Jamison Williams and stash him? And then you really have nothing to lose at that point. So uh, I think we all still believe, but man, you're making it hard, Jamison. You're making it really, really I, hard. I, I, didn't,
2: I didn't think of that, but that if because when he's suspended, some sides don't let you put him in the injury spot. I wonder now if this injury opens up the way where we could be like, hey, we just throw him on the IR spot and don't have to worry about it.
1: Uh yeah, that 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 probably would uh would work. All right. Um let's get into the AFC South. Let's start of course we're going uh, in alphabetical order by city names. That starts us with the Houston Texans. Last year, their top fantasy scorer at quarterback was Davis Mills, 196 and a half points QB21. Damian Pierce, the top running back uh 166 he was rb 27 brandon cooks your number one wide receiver in houston 145 points and some change wide receiver 49 jordan Aikens. i had to really scound, I'm like who i really was like going through i'm like who was the t- oh the texans tight end last year and i had to go look it up like jordan akins 116 and a half points was tight end 18 uh big losses in the offseason kyle allen Rex burkhead brandon cooks Philip Dorsett, Jordan Akins, and O.J. Howard. They did add Case Keenum, Devin Singletary, Noah Brown, Robert Woods, and Dalton Schultz in free agency. Of course, they drafted C.J. Stroud to the number two overall pick, and they drafted Tank Dell as well. First off the board for the Houston Texans, Damian Pierce. Right now, near the end of the fifth round, which gets me to my first question. First, let's start with a more or less. 1,250 scrimmage yards for Damian Pierce, more or less.
2: I'm going to go with more. He ran for almost a thousand yards in 13 games last year. Uh, he he was more involved in the passing game than I remember. It felt like he wasn't very utilized. And then you look and it's like 40 targets in 13 games isn't terrible. Um, and we were on the ATN podcast the other day and uh, Greg Rosenthal was talking him up. And and I said, my concern was that maybe they sprinkle in more Devin Singletary than I would like to see. But this weekend, Damian Pierce played every snap with the starters, uh, I, I believe. And he was out there for the passing down situations. So I've come around on Damian Pierce. I always loved his talent. I was in on him last year. I just had concerns that, hey, is Devin Singletary going to get like 40% of the touches here? Because that is more than any other backup running back saw last year. But I do think Damian Pierce is going to get a heavy, heavy workload. And as of right now, I have him as my RB17 directly behind, like, Aaron Jones, Kenneth Walker, Miles Sanders, I could probably be easy, easily convinced to move Jamie and Pierce ahead of some of those other running backs. So if you want to push him as a top 15, I think that is fine. I, I put out on Twitter this weekend, if he gets passing down work, I think he finishes as an RB1 this season.
1: And it's funny because I think we're starting to put all of these things together because I, I sort of liked Pierce. I definitely loved him at that ADP. I was totally fine taking him, you know, late fifth round. I remember early in training camp, videos of him catching passes and and stories about him studying Christian McCaffrey. And I think we all were sort of like, yeah. All right, man. That's, that's cool. I am mean, I'm glad you're doing it, but whatever. Um, But he is starting to get more of that passing down work, and he is starting to play more of those snaps. Uh, I mean, you talk about Greg Rosenthal. He was flabbergasted <laughs> that, that Pierce was going uh, as late as he was, but I think people are starting to clue in a little bit more. And I think you're going to see that ADP start to rise from the end of the fifth round. It's wild though, because it wasn't that long ago, he was kind of a late fourth round. I'm not sure why he fell a full round, but I think you're going to start to see it go back up because like you mentioned, signs are pointing to him being the guy in that Houston backfield. And I think we overlook, I think we should overlook um, the, the idea that the Texans offense is going to be bad just because volume is potentially going to be there. We're sure of gets to the next question. Uh, are we overlooking Devin Singletary in the 11th round? Although I think that if we're really in love with Damian Pierce, maybe, maybe we're not. Yeah, I, I think that's an appropriate
2: value for Devin Singletary. I do think that he is one of the better backups in the league. So if anything was to happen to, to Damian Pierce, we know that Devin Singletary can lead a backfield and, and handle a lot of work. The issue is that, De- I, I, look, I rooted for Devin Singletary for years in Buffalo. He's a really nice guy. Uh, he did a lot for the team and everything. He's as league average as league average can kind of get. Like he doesn't, have explosiveness he doesn't he's he's a good pass he doesn't do anything great where you're like this is the role we could pencil him in so I I think at round 11 is one of the top handcuffs that that's an appropriate range for Devin Singletary
1: I think so I think I think it's funny I think he's gone now to being more of a handcuff more of an insurance policy uh than maybe a complimentary back because again if if we are reading the tea leaves right in this preseason uh, it seems like Singletary may not have enough standalone value. He'll get some occasional work. And if something were to happen to Damian Pierce, we know he can step in. Um, yeah, David, David Singletary in Buffalo was incredibly frustrating because they loved using him between the 20s. Uh, you know, I used to always say it, he needed three forms of, of ID to get into the end zone. <laughs> uh, that made him really, really work. he catches catch the ball occasionally. He'd get some carries. But it seemed like whenever they were close to scoring, it was somebody else. Uh, that was getting the, the glory there. So, you know, if that's again happens in Houston, considering they may not score a lot of points, uh, that really makes it hard for Singletary to have any standalone value. Uh, how do you feel about Dalton Schultz this year with the uh, Houston Texans?
2: I, at the start of the, you know, like when he signed and stuff, I was like, oh, this guy is going to get peppered with targets. And I had him as a top, he was my 10th ranked tight end for most of the summer. But actually, today, I have lowered him. I uh, I boosted both of the rookies ahead of him, so Dalton Kincaid and Sam Laporta. Uh, Dalton Schultz isn't standing out in the preseason, and from what it sounds like, it, he's one of the targets, not, like, the top target. I thought he could be the top, like, safety blanket for the young C.J. Stroud, but they have a lot of receivers there as well. So, to me, Schultz is more of a floor play and someone that I, I would like to take as, like, my tight end 12 or 13. something. I think you pair him with one of the young rookies. Like that is an approach that makes sense to me because you still get the upside swing in a Kincaid or Laporta. And then if things go wrong for them, you have a tight end that you at least feel like you could throw in and start in Dalton, uh in Dalton Schultz.
1: I just, I haven't been able to wrap my arms and my head and my, my brain and my heart and all of that around Dalton Schultz uh, this year, just because I think, where you're getting him, first of all, you're sort of getting him in the kind of that mid to late uh, range. Um, Trying to look right now. He's going, say, 10th round. I think we know that the floor for him is pretty safe, although it's pretty low. And I feel like the ceiling is also fairly low for him. So, like, having Dalton Schultz means you're getting a lot of six-point weeks, which is fine. I would rather take the swing if that – if I'm waiting till that range to draft a tight end – I would rather go for a guy that I think has upside. I think Tyler Higby has better upside this year. I think Dalton Kincaid, Sam Laporta, these are all guys that are going around the same time or later. I think there's better upside there. So I just I think Dalton Schultz is fine. He's uh you know to to, to quote our friend and producer Haitham Kalani, he's oatmeal, right? It's just it's fine. I would rather take a shot at some chilaquiles a little bit later and see if maybe those turn out to be a little bit spicier than, than what I wanted. So I'm, I think I'm out on Dalton Schultz indianapolis colts uh next up here their top fantasy score from last year matt ryan 168.3 points he was the qb 26 jonathan taylor uh no surprise the top running back but injuries sort of limited him last year uh fewer than 150 fantasy points for him he was the rb 33 michael Pittman, your top receiver just over 215 points there he was wide receiver 20 jelani woods uh, your top tight end. This is another team. I had to look up who the tight end was last year because I'm like, I have no idea what what Colts tight end we were interested in. Uh, Jelani Woods, tight end 35. In the offseason, they lost Matt Ryan, Nick Foles, Paris Campbell. Uh, they did add in free agency Gardner Minshew, Isaiah McKenzie, and Matt Gay. I wouldn't normally mention a kicker, but they gave him a lot of money uh, expecting him to do big things uh, with his foot there. Uh, in the draft, of course, they draft Anthony Richardson. They go out and get wide receiver Josh Downs and running back Evan Hull. First off the board, Jonathan Taylor, who right now has an ADP of 3.01. So it feels like every week or so it's worth kind of taking a heat check on Jonathan Taylor. He he says he still wants to be traded. He still seems like he's unhappy. He's been away from the team with excused absences. Apparently he has some some family issues uh, going on away from the facility. So we haven't seen him really in action. He hasn't really been working out with the team. But signs point to him being there in week one. How are we feeling about him right now? I am.
2: I, I he's going with them to the joint practice with the Eagles, which tells me that as unhappy as he is, I mean, all the signs have kind of. We've been reading this as maybe he wants to hold out and everything, but the he doesn't have the leverage in this situation. So I am anticipating him being there in round uh, in week one. I put him in that top nine running backs that I have right now. I have him right now currently ranked as my RB seven, but I'd be lying if I to- didn't tell you that like, there's five running backs that I, I am struggling with how the order that I want to place them in. And uh, Josh Jacobs and Jonathan Taylor are two of those five that, that, that we're talking about today. But like he felt to me in the third round of a draft the other day that I was able to start Cooper cup, Garrett Wilson, Jonathan Taylor, like, I will take that start all day long if people are going to allow you to get it, but I don't think that's going to be the case anymore. I think Jonathan Taylor is firmly going to be a second round pick as I'm anticipating the first round being all a lot of receivers, the second round being a lot of running backs, and I have no problem taking him with a second round pick.
1: No problem taking him with a second round pick. I'm with you. I mean, I think we all believe he's going to play, understanding his unhappiness, but he's going to be there. he's not. Injured. I mean, I know there may be some minor tweaks, but you know, at this point, everybody sort of has that. Um, you know, and he's going to play hard, he's going to play well. So, I think you know, if, if you're getting him in the second round, that's great. If somehow he's still lasting till the third round, that also is amazing. But I have no qualms about drafting Jonathan Taylor, uh, wherever he's going off the board, uh, at, the, at this point. Um, will the Colts have a top 20 fantasy receiver? And I ask it because Michael Pittman last year was the wide receiver 20. You know, it looks like Anthony Richardson might be a better passer than anticipated, but we still have questions there. Um, you know, can can Pittman or anybody else in that wide receiver room reach that plateau of wide receiver 20, or is that asking too much this year?
2: I think it's asking too much. Um you you look at the Colts last year, and I understand that like he because of volume had finished as the wide receiver 20, but they threw the ball because they were trailing, like, over 600 times because they were trailing often in games. I'm thinking this year they're going to run the ball a whole bunch more. Jonathan Taylor was hurt for a lot of last season. Matt Ryan was a statue. It got so bad in the running back room that they had to acquire Zach Moss. Um, I, I think that this year with Anthony Richardson, they are going to be a lock to run the ball a whole lot more. And this is something I was talking about um, this weekend. The Colts might throw for 3,000. Like if if Anthony Richardson finishes with 3,000 passing yards this year, I think we will say that that was a successful rookie season for him. I think he could finish with more than that, but I, I'm going to put it at like 3,200, 3,300 is probably the cap. I don't think he's going to come in all of a sudden and be the, one of the best dual threat quarterbacks ever off the jump. <laughs> I think it is in the range of his outcome, but I'm not going to bank on it. So we could be talking about 3,000 passing yards. And even in a super funneled offense, it's hard to get to 1,000 when, when it's that low. So Michael Pittman Jr., as much as I like him as a individual talent, you might remember like last season I was hyping him up a lot, I'm out on him. Uh, also, the OC Jim Bob Cooter, when he last ran an offense, it was built around short, quick passes to the slot receiver and the, the running back. Michael Pittman Jr. is a very different talent. I think he'll have weeks where you wanna use him in fantasy, but as the whole, I think it's gonna be very inconsistent and I do not think he gets top twenty.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. I think I think you know, top twenty-five, maybe we can talk about that. I just don't know that there's gonna be enough passing volume to to really facilitate that unless somehow, you know, there's one of these guys that just catches a whole lot of touchdowns. But even then, uh, I get the sense when the Colts get close, you're going to see Richardson or Taylor sort of handling a lot of that work. I just don't imagine them throwing the ball a, ro- a lot around the goal line that it's tough to do. First of all, tough to do it successfully. That's why you, you, know, you see guys like Patrick Mahomes doing it. Aaron Rodgers doing it. You're talking about high elite level passers. Uh, and no matter what you think of Anthony Richardson, I think we all agree he's not there yet. So we'll see. I don't think I don't think top 20 is really possible. And I'm with you. I don't think I've drafted a lot of Michael Pittman. So far this season, just because I don't know what to expect. I will say this, uh, Pat Doherty, a.k.a. Roto Pat on Twitter, sort of talked me into maybe taking a few late shots at Alec Pierce uh, with the idea that we could see more of a vertical offense and Anthony Richardson taking some shots downfield and and maybe a few big chunk plays to Alec Pierce. Uh, I'm not banking a whole lot on him. I'm telling you, I'm still taking him in the very late rounds just to see if that could come to fruition uh but uh if if it goes sideways i'm totally gonna blame pat um that's all <laughs> I, that's all i know
2: i like pierce too but definitely in my opinion a better and best
1: ball player absolutely a better and best ball situation there for him uh last one for indianapolis anthony richardson right now round 11 that is sort of the redraft fantasy football calculator adp i know in best ball leagues he's going a lot higher but round 11 that too low for him
2: in my opinion i think it's way too low i i did a uh A draft over the weekend and it was with other people who do this uh and he went with the last pick of the seventh round and if he fell back to me i was taking him in round eight um the only reason i didn't take him in round seven was because the on this site we were drafting on his adp was very low so i thought i could maybe slip one past the goal it didn't work (laughs) out for me um but i think like seventh eighth round is where i consider him i have him ranked as my qb9 uh this season going I, i moved him ahead of Deshaun watson I'm toying with the idea of moving Daniel Jones ahead of Watson as well. But to me, after what I keep saying is like the the top eight that gives you the high floor and high ceiling that we want, I don't know if there's a quarterback who brings more upside than Anthony Richardson because he can run for a 1,000 yards and I think throw for close to you know 25 to three. And that doesn't sound like a whole lot of passing yards, but that would be a better season than what Justin Fields had last year, which is when we were calling him a cheat code. So I, I think that, he, yeah, I, I round seven or eight is where I would be taking him. But if you're in a, a league, you know, like a home league or or whatever, I think you could wait till rounds nine or ten because a lot of people are probably going to be thinking, I don't want to take a rookie quarterback this early.
1: And I think, I think that's sort of the key maybe is who you're drafting with, right? When you're drafting with folks like us who have been, look, man, we've been doing drafts of some form probably since February or March, right? <laughs> it's a little <laughs> bit different. Uh, we when, got a yeah, we do have problems. Like, you know, <laughs> Hi, it's me. I'm the problem. That's like the only Taylor Swift lyrics I really know at this point. Um, but it, it, for, for those of us you know who are doing this, we probably are drafting him a little bit higher. For folks in home leagues, I think uh, that's the, the point, right? People in home leagues who aren't necessarily up to their neck in this, they're looking at him, they're saying he's a rookie quarterback. We keep hearing he's raw. He's not a passer you probably can't get away with waiting until the ninth round, maybe even the 10th round to go get a guy like Anthony Richardson. So, Uh, I guess the the moral of the story here is pay attention to the draft room that you are in. Speaking of draft rooms, NFL Fantasy is back. You can download the NFL Fantasy app, sign up, and draft to be entered to win two tickets to Super Bowl 58 in Las Vegas, Nevada. No purchase necessary. Ends 10-19-23. Open to legal residents of the 50 United States and the District of Columbia who are 18 years of age or older. For rules and details on bonus entries and alternate means of entry, visit NFL.com slash Fantasy Sweeps 2023. We will check in with the rest of the AFC South after a quick break. That's coming up next on the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast. You go
0: into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it.
1: Next up it's the Jacksonville Jaguars who had a little bit of an offensive renaissance last year. Their top scoring quarterback last season Trevor Lawrence was the QB8 just over 303 fantasy points. Travis Etienne your running back 17 to 05.1 Christian Kirk everybody laughed at the contract and the only did was go out and give you 241 fantasy points was the wide receiver 12 and Evan Ingram who a lot of us had given up on me I'm one of them. I was the tight end 5 176 fantasy points in the offseason they lost marvin jones and chris Manhurts. they did add the Ernest johnson through free agency uh i guess you could say they added calvin ridley as well sure uh he's off of his suspension and he is back uh in the draft they go out get brenton strange tink bigsby and wide receiver parker washington uh first one off the board depending on where you look Uh, i've seen calvin ridley at the 3.06 but not far behind him travis Etienne at 311 so you got a couple of jags going in the third round uh within a few picks of one another looking around at this jaguars offense uh, they got a ton of great pass catchers they've got some good running backs what is the fantasy ceiling for trevor lawrence with all these weapons around him
2: this might sound bullish but i think the fantasy ceiling for him is to take the next step and be one of the top elite quarterbacks this year um I don't think so. I have the top eight. I think all have the chances of doing that. To me, I have Lawrence as eight because I think he has the lowest odds of making that jump, but I still believe he can make that jump. He was the QB eight last year and got more and more comfortable as the season went on in Doug Peterson's past first system. I expect him to take another step forward, being another year uh, more comfortable in that system. And then you add in Calvin Ridley, who I think is going to help take this offense to the next level Uh, He is now their best field stretcher, their best red zone presence. He is the best receiver, I would argue, that Doug Peterson has ever coached. So uh, you're going to add – I think all of the big passing numbers will be there. Then Trevor Lawrence, to me, is a better runner than he gets credit for, especially near the goal line. So he can add value with his legs that I I think we kind of overlook him – overlook with Trevor Lawrence. I keep saying it. I think Trevor Lawrence entered. I'm not telling you he's going to be the MVP this season, but I think when we're in November, December this year, and we're debating who's going to be the MVP, I think Trevor Lawrence is a name that we will be mentioning in that conversation.
1: Yeah, I don't think that's surprising at all. For me, I, I think I think top five is certainly possible. And when I say that, I say five. Uh, you know, I think I think you're looking at you know in some form hurts. Allen, uh, Mahomes, and probably Lamar Jackson, probably the, the four guys that I would put ahead of him. But I think Trevor Lawrence has every opportunity to be five, to get past a Joe Burrow, a Justin Fields, a Justin Herbert. I think he really, really can do that because of the guys he has catching the football and because, as you mentioned of that rushing upside we're not going to confuse him with Jalen Hurts or Justin Fields in terms of running the football but I mean this is a guy that you know last year had nearly 300 rushing yards had 334 the year before that uh five rushing touchdowns last season for Trevor Lawrence so I think it's certainly uh in the realm of possibility so uh yeah I I think I think we can certainly do that like I said I think I think top five is certainly very possible the question then becomes can Trevor Lawrence support two top 15 wide receivers? He had one last year in Christian Kirk. They're adding Calvin Ridley. Could we, could we possibly see both those guys finishing in the top, uh, top 15 at their position next year?
2: I don't think so. And, and it's not a knock on Trevor Lawrence. It's more a knock on the system. I, I think the number one target is going to have a lot of volume funneled their way which is going to be Calvin Ridley. So I, I think he will be, in my opinion, at least, I think he will be the target vacuum in this offense. After that, I think the re- I think Christian Kirk will be the number two target, but I think Evan Ingram isn't going away. Zay Jones, what worries me is in, in the preseason week one, it was Zay Jones playing two wide receiver sets with Calvin Ridley and Christian Kirk was only out there for three wide receiver sets playing that slot role. So because of that, I'm a little bit lower on Christian Kirk than consensus. I have him more as like a borderline wide receiver two, wide receiver three. Um, I think he'll have some good weeks, some down weeks, but overall I I think Calvin Ridley is going to get the bulk of volume and everyone else is going to, it's going to be kind of spread around. There might be a week where Christian Kirk has a big week. Then there'll be a week where every Ingram has a big week. There'll be a random Zay uh, Jones week mixed in there as well. So because of that, I'm going to say no, but I do think, Calvin Ridley finishes as a top 12 fantasy wide receiver this season.
1: Yeah. The only two pass catchers I've really been drafting consistently from Jacksonville, Calvin Ridley, because as you mentioned, I think he's going to be the target leader this year and Evan Ingram, just because again, we keep talking about this, right? To be a top 10, top 12 tight end, doesn't necessarily take a whole lot. So even if Ingram steps back from where he was last year, just by virtue of the position he plays, he could still be a top 10 guy. So I this isn't some, you know, grand endorsement that Evan Ingram is going to take a huge step forward. I mean, last year, 73 catches, you know, 760 yards, four touchdowns. It's a pretty good season. I think those numbers come down, but I still think it's good enough for him to be a top 10 fantasy tight end. So those are the only guys I'm really taking. I, look, I think, I think Calvin Ridley, you're talking about a top 15, maybe even a top 12 wide receiver. I think for Christian Kirk, if you can get him in the top 25 by the end of the year, I think you're doing pretty good there. But I, I'm not sure that this offense is built just yet. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe if Lawrence does make that leap that you're talking about and getting into the ranks of the elites and getting into that MVP conversation, maybe we can revisit this discussion. But right now, I just, I just don't think it's going to happen. Um, last one about the Jags here. Are you buying into the Tank Bigsby hype? To an extent, yes.
2: I am buying in <laughs> that I think Tank Bigsby is a good running back. I think he's a good talent. I think that he is a bigger threat to eat into Travis Etienne's workload than any other running back was last year. And hearing that his role is going to expand this, as the season goes on only reaffirms that concerns for me. Um but I I am not of the mindset that I think Tank Bigsby is going to come in here and steal the job away from Travis Etienne and be the lead running back. If anything, to me though, it's made me shy away from drafting Travis Etienne because it's one of those situations where pending and if if like Etienne gets hurt, I think Bigsby rocket ship rocket emoji all of that. But um, if they both stay healthy. I think it's one where they're it's more they're eating off of each other's plate than both of them have standalone fan. Well, obviously Etn will have standalone fantasy value, but you know what I mean.
1: Uh, no, I do, and and I'm I'm kind of with you. I think I think take Bigsby's hype makes me less excited about Etn than I would be more excited about Bigsby. And look, the thing about you know fantasy football, if you play long enough, you know every player has a value somewhere in some format. And I think for Bigsby, if you're talking about dynasty leagues. Uh, and you're talking about rookie drafts and, and that sort of thing. I think there's some value for Bigsby. Or if you play in an obnoxiously large and deep league, there's some value for take Bigsby. But I think it's going to be hard to, you know, get him the opportunities uh, on a regular basis for you to start him week to week. And I think even Doug Peterson himself has sort of said, hey, look, we like what he does. We love, you know, we love the things he brings. Let's pump the brakes, though, before we talk about giving him a big role in this offense. So I think that alone should sort of cause us to maybe stop and take a deep breath for a little bit. But um, I don't know about you, but like every time he does something, I see the I see the hive. I see the hive forming and buzzing. Uh, you got like Jaguars accounts out here tweeting out pictures of tanks, and <laughs> gifs of tanks rolling <laughs> over things. Uh, it started to it started to be noticeable uh, that tank bigs be me. To, to me, I think he's one
2: of the top handcuffs, and that's kind of where I think. Like, I don't think I'm going to ever want to be like, let me get Tanks Bigsby into my and my flex, you know? Like, right. I, I don't foresee that happening.
1: <laughs> you say that now, but as somebody who's going to write the sleepers column, I guarantee you that, like, in week 14, I'm going to be looking around and be oh, like, "Yeah,
2: hey,
1: man, Tank Bigsby looks all right this <laughs> week. Like, I know that's going to happen. Uh, last team up here is the Tennessee Titans, uh, their top fantasy scorers last year. Ryan Tannehill, your number one quarterback in Tennessee. He was the QB 27 overall. El Trector Derrick Henry, uh, 302.8 points. He was the RB4. Robert Woods, your number one receiver from Tennessee, 115.7. A wide receiver, 59. And uh, your top tight end, tight ends, I guess I could say, Austin Hooper was tight end 24 with 97.4 points. Just point two points behind him, two tenths of a points behind him was Chig Akonko at ninety-seven point two, the tight end twenty-five. So they were, for all intents and purposes, the same player last year in terms of the fantasy. <laughs> uh, your losses: Josh Dobbs, Robert Woods, Austin Hooper, Jeff Swaim, all gone in free agency. Just one move, but it was kind of a big one, at least on the offensive side. That is uh, DeAndre Hopkins comes over uh in in free agency and in the draft they go out and they draft Will Levis at quarterback and they add running back Ty J Spears first off the board Derrick Henry 2.05 by the way I mean this isn't new but for you noticing like all these first off the board running backs I mean Derrick Henry in the second round talk about Josh Jacobs potentially second round Jonathan Taylor second maybe third round um this this was this was unheard of like even three years ago, they were talking about these guys in the second or third round. This is wild, man. It's
2: why take a receiver in round one. The, the round, the running back value in round two is insanely good. It is really,
1: really, really good. Uh, all right, but let's get to the Titans here. Tyje Spears, talk about the drum beats for uh, Tank Bigsby. Tyje Spears getting some run as well. Again, I don't think you're gonna you're gonna pick him up and start start him as a flex on a consistent basis, but. Will he eat into some of Derrick Henry's pro- uh, production with, with a running back that is starting to get up there and has taken a lot of wear and tear? I don't
2: – I'm not anticipating that. I, I think
1: Spears will have
2: a role because I don't think Derrick Henry is going to get every single one of the touches in this backfield. But I, I think his role is more of like a handcuff in case something happens to Derrick Henry at this stage in his career. But he's in the final year of his contract. He's 30 years old, like you said. He has been this offense for years. I don't think they will change it unless they have to. I, I For me, the thinking should be like, hey, this is our final year with Derrick Henry. Let's get every ounce of football out of him that we can before we uh, move on after this season. So I, I am still putting Derrick Henry in, in my top nine running backs as the elite nine. Um, and I know people want to say, oh, he's had a lot of touches and uh, he's 30 years old and everything. There's been a number of running backs who have done what he has done in his career and still, at this age, gone on to have RB1 seasons. And Henry actually has the fewest amount of volume of all of them. Plus, you add in the fact that he was learning how to catch the ball last year and be used (laughs) more in the passing game. I think he has a path to being the RB1 again, and we're getting him cheaper than ever. So, yeah, I'm still all in on Derrick Henry.
1: I'm still very much in on Derrick Henry. But I will admit that I... I like Tyje Spears even early in draft season. I, was, I think I was drafting him late in, in early drafts, uh, sort of calmed down, and now I think I'm kind of getting back to it. Just because, one, obviously, as you mentioned, if something happens to Derrick Henry, we know Spears is going to step in there. I do think he has a role, but I will admit that you know, in redraft leagues, I think there's going to be very few opportunities for me to use him. I think, you know, maybe in a best ball situation, he could come up and be in play uh, a couple times, depending on what the rest of your roster looks like. But I will say that I am intrigued. And I think some of it was I know early in the spring there was talk of well, what happens if the Titans start bad? Do they trade Derrick Henry just to just to get something in return so he doesn't just walk away potentially in free agency? And I think that had me intrigued. I know that conversation has sort of calmed down a little bit, but you know, it's still sort of hanging there in the back of my mind. We'll see. Um are we overprojecting DeAndre Hopkins? From the moment he signed there, we were all excited like he's going to get all these targets, he's going to be Nuke again, it's going to be great. And then I saw that Robert Woods was the wide receiver 59. And I'm not I'm not saying that DeAndre Hopkins is where Robert Woods is at this point in his career nor has he ever been Robert Woods at, you know, in his career. But the fact of the matter is there just wasn't a lot of passing volume. There wasn't a lot of passing production. Uh, are we are we a little bit too excited about what new cop New Copkins can be with the Titans? I would
2: say yes, but that is because I am not excited at all. <laughs> like I, I have D up ranked as my wide receiver twenty two, but even when like he is my highest ranked receiver, and I'm doing a draft, I. Don't ever, I'm never like, you know what, I, I have to do it. I'm always just like, yeah, I'll go in another direction. Maybe I'll wait around on my next receiver or something like that because I still think DeAndre Hopkins can play. Uh, he showed us last year he still has talent, but I said it earlier in the show 25th is the highest the Titans have finished as passing in the last like six years. Um, Ryan Tannehill is up, getting up there in age. He's already showed signs of declining. If things go really bad here, they will make a move to Will Levis or Malik Willis. Um, this is just to me, and then also we have to worry about health with DeAndre Hopkins because it's now been a couple of years since we've seen him play a full season. I think there is a lot working against DeAndre Hopkins here. I feel like to me we are drafting him close to his ceiling in this offense. A big name, I get all of that. I, I still think he could play like I said, but because of this offense that he's in, I just I, I let other people in my league draft him.
1: Yeah, I drafted him in a couple of spots, and it just—I think it just sort of took my breath away when I went back to look at the Titans' passing stats. It's like one of those things where in your mind, like you know they don't throw the ball a lot, you know they're not a high-volume passing offense, but it really did. I had to catch my breath when I kept scrolling, you know, like the the wide receiver finishes, looking for the top Titan, and I got all the way to 59 when I saw Robert Woods. I just like it was like a oh wow, like it just really. To see it visually sort of sort of caught my breath. Um, and so like I'm I think you're right when you say you're we're drafting him at his ceiling. I also just think there's something to be said for the big three pieces in this offense. You've got you know Ryan Tannehill at 35. Uh Nuke himself just turned 31 earlier this summer. Uh, Derrick Henry will be 30 by the end of the season. I think early January, he turns 30 years old. So you were talking about a low-volume passing offense that is getting up there in age when you look at their key skill position, guys. Uh, And then you got Traylon Burks, who's a younger player but is injured right now. There's just a lot that, you know, when you really look at it, sort of worries me about the Titans. In real football terms, Mike Vrabel will get these guys playing, and they even if they don't make the playoffs, they'll at least be competitive. We know that. Uh, But fantasy, it's just, it's kind of a scary situation. So with that being said, they don't throw the ball a lot. They have the Andre Hopkins. Traylon Burks will be back at some point. Is Chig Akonko off the board now, or does, does being a tight end keep him still in play?
2: It's that, exactly. Um, <laughs> it, of all of these Titans pass catchers, if I'm going to take one, Akonko is probably the one I will roll the dice on because not only did he lead tight ends in yards per route ran last year, which is extremely impressive, like you said, the bar for being a tight end one is like he could average nine fantasy points per game and be a useful fantasy tight end where if if trey burks did that we'd be throwing him back on the waiver wire so (laughs) the the bar for a tight end is just so much lower and he i think is a good player a great athlete great with the ball in his hands after the catch i have him ranked as my tight end 16 I, i might bump him up a little bit but to me i i think that's he's a good upside tight end too like if you I wouldn't pair him, say, with like a Dalton Kincaid or Sam Laporta because I don't think there's a safe floor there. But if I had a tight end uh, that I thought like brought a safe, like say Evan Ingram or something like that, and I was in the market for a tight end too, I think Conquo is an upside shot that you could take.
1: Yeah, I think, I think that's the move there, right? If you're drafting Okonkwo, hopefully you have another more stable tight end that you can feel confident in week to week. If you are drafting Okonkwo hoping that he is your tight end one, uh, that's going to be frustrating. He's in that group of what there's probably about 18 to 20 guys that can finish literally anywhere from the tight end, like nine to the tight end, 25, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. there's like so many of those guys. And, And he very much is one of them. So I, I completely agree. I guess I'm not totally out on him, but, uh, my excitement level is not where it was say in you know, April or May, uh, before, before Deandre Hopkins came in. So we'll, we'll see about that. Um, there it is. That's the AFC South. I'll be back with you later on this week with the A, the NFC South, uh, I should say. And uh, Floyd, we had some interesting guests coming up. Uh, we got some. You know, it's funny. We, I will admit, some of this is like because I was lazy and didn't really reach out to people, but people uh, have expressed interest in being on our show, so that sort of works. But uh, we got some. Int- we have, we had Chris Johnson. We have another former player. Do we want to tease who the former player is that's that's coming on with us soon? Ooh, yeah, we could do that. Okay uh former former bill wide receiver great great is that he's, he's a great he, Bills, great bills wide receiver right
2: he was in my lifetime as a fan i was too early for the 90s teams to me he was my favorite wide okay. receiver and i think the best bills wide receiver until they got stefan diggs
1: okay i think that's fair so uh if that is enough of a clue uh, then run with it. And, uh, you know, we'll we'll hopefully have him on the show uh, within the next week or so. Also some really great analysts uh, from around the web coming on the show with us as well. So uh, things to look forward to in the next week. And of course, Fantasy Live back on your TV, still another set of preseason shows. Uh, and then we get going for real for the regular season starting Monday, August 28th. So uh, a lot going on because fantasy season is very much upon us at this point. Anyway, in the meantime, That'll do it for this edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast. He's Mike. I'm Marcus. Stay happy, safe, and healthy. Do good and live well. Uh, Stay safe, please. Just really want to enforce that, especially with all this weather going around uh, across the country. In the meantime, enjoy your days, everybody. And we'll talk to you again on Wednesday.